So yeah, we're starting a new series, the book of Micah, and this is a, a kind of a book that's kind of hard to find because it's in the Old Testament, it's not very long, and it gets lost in all the other, uh, all the other prophetic books, but man, is it a good one. And you're going to see over these next few weeks that it is really, really rich and will speak to us in a big way. So Micah, uh, this is a collection of prophecies by a guy named Micah of Morasheth. Micah of Morasheth. Now, we don't know much about him. The prophetic books, for whatever reason, rarely give us any biographical details. And so we kind of have to just piece together a little bit of what we know about him just from some of the things that he says. But what we do know is that at the time when Micah was living, when he was giving his prophecies, it was a chaotic time in Israel, in the, the, the land of Israel. And frankly, things were falling apart. Things were falling apart for the people of God. And so Micah, in, this, in these prophecies, he's doing his best to help the people understand why. Why is this happening? Why are things falling apart? And this is why we chose to explore this book together as a church right now. Because, frankly, when you look around at our world today, it kind of feels like things are falling apart for us too, don't they? Things are falling apart. I just... Think about it, income inequality in our country. It's reaching almost absurd levels right now. You've got poverty and, and mental illness and abuse that are spreading everywhere, or, or maybe they're always the way that they've always been, but we're more aware of them. They're in our consciousness now. The pandemic has, has ripped a hole right in the status quo. Things have changed. Our nation is divided and hostile and hate-filled. Uh, social media seems to be just sucking away our soul and our critical thinking, apparently. And this is, a, this is just a reality, but we're a church. Church attendance has dropped below 50% in our country for the first time in our nation's history. Okay, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why, but I'm just going to say this. Things do seem to be falling apart. At the very least, what used to be normal to us has kind of crumbled. And even though our situation is vastly different from what Micah was facing in ancient Israel, I believe God can still speak to us through his words, through this prophet, even today. Why do things fall apart? And what's God up to when they do? Those are some of the questions that Micah is going to help us answer. So let's uh, talk a little bit about prophets before we get into this, because I know that this is a word that probably carries some meaning for you. And, and so I just want to clear some things up. Now, I've said this before, but when you talk about Old Testament prophets or biblical prophets, I want to make one thing clear. Biblical prophets, they don't tell the future, they tell the truth. They don't tell the future, they tell the truth. Now, sometimes that, that truth happens to contain visions of the future or of what might come or what will come, but prophets in the Old Testament, they're not fortune tellers. That's not why they're here. What, they are, what they're doing is they have a gift of, of hearing through the Holy Spirit God's heart for the world. They, they look out at what's going on around them and they see it with like God-colored lenses. They, they see the world the way that God sees it and then their job is to tell people what the truth is. What is God's truth in that situation? Now, when you look at the book of Micah, what you see is as he's speaking God's truth, 
He's kind of all over the place. I I mean, seriously, you read one passage and he's just straight up condemning somebody for being, you know, completely missing the point. And then the next verse, all of a sudden, it's all hope and joy and and there's a a future and it's all gonna be grand. And then he's right back to condemning the next passage. And he's like, okay, this is enough to give you whiplash. But the reason that that's the case is because again, he is speaking at a time when things are falling apart. You've got the haves and the have-nots, the powerful and the powerless. They're all living together in Israel. And so Micah's message of truth, put simply, it lands differently depending on whether you are the oppressed or the oppressor. When he's speaking God's truth, you're gonna hear it differently. Uh, It is really good news that he's got for those who are being oppressed but it's really bad news for those who are doing the oppressing. Do you see, how, see what I'm saying? So that's why when you read through the book of Micah, it feels like you are just kind of whiplashing back and forth from one thing to the next. Here, here's what I'll say. This is kind of our, my way of describing the book for this whole series. Micah afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. That's Micah in a nutshell. He afflicts the comfortable and he comforts the afflicted. And I think that he can do the same thing today. So before we read anything that he had to say, I want to give you a little bit of the the world behind the text. That's what we we talk about, the world behind the text. What was going on in the world when uh, the Bible was written and the different passages were written? And in Micah's case, it's really important to understand why, uh, what was making his world so chaotic. First of all, about 200 years, for the, for the 200 years leading up to when he was born, the nation of Israel had been divided, was split in two. It was Israel in the north and Judah in the south. They used to be one pretty powerful, wealthy nation being led by these great kings like David and Solomon, and they were building palaces, and there was gold everywhere, and it was just great. But then, Things fell apart, they split, and now, in Micah's day, they're just these two bickering factions, and there's, there's warring kings, and there's assassination attempts, and, and they're making alliances with other nations and fighting against each other. It's, it's a mess, it's a mess. And at the same time, in both of these nations, you've got poverty running rampant, uh, you've got, you've got uh, injustice that's spreading everywhere you look, and people are taking advantage of one another left and right, okay? Sounds Sounds kind of familiar, honestly. And in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of all this this chaos, in the 700s BC, a new threat arises to to threaten the kingdoms of Israel. So you've got down here, that's Jerusalem. And uh, Jerusalem is the capital of the southern kingdom, Judah. And then right above it in Samaria, that's the capital of the northern kingdom, Israel. And way up here, you've got Assyria, Now, Assyria, they don't mess around. These guys are ruthless. They're cold-blooded. They are out to dominate anybody in their way. And that's exactly what begins to happen. So uh, at the very early beginning of the, the 700s, Assyria begins to expand. And in 732, they actually capture and destroy the capital of uh, Syria, the kingdom above Israel, called uh, Damascus. And then 10 years later, they continue to expand south and they destroy Samaria and they they basically completely eliminate the northern kingdom of Israel and they cart a whole bunch of people off into exile. But then it gets so bad that in 701 BC, 
the Assyrian king Sennacherib, he actually gets all the way down and they surround the city of Jerusalem and they put it under siege. And it, it's, a real, uh, it's a real gamble whether or not Jerusalem's even gonna survive this. And I'll just tell you, the end of the story is they don't capture Jerusalem and they eventually leave, but that's a whole story for another time. We might have to go into the book of Isaiah if we really wanna understand what, what was going on there. Suffice it to say, all of this expansion of Assyria is happening in the midst of this divided kingdom and the injustice and it's chaos and things are falling apart. Now here's why I'm telling you all of this. I'm telling you all of this because when we read the prophets, not only do they make a lot of references to stuff that we don't always understand, but it is so easy to miss the gravity of what they're trying to get across. Because you know, we, we, we don't understand the bigger picture. So for example, we, we can read when, when Mike is out there afflicting the comfortable and think, oh, he's just being a Debbie Downer. He's just being kind of like a sad sack, like whatever. No, that's not right. He understands the intensity of this coming invasion and he wants the people to wake up wake up. Because according to Micah, all of this Assyrian invasion is a direct response to the oppression that was going on inside of Israel. Wake up. That's what he's trying to do. Or, or when, when uh, Micah's comforting the afflicted, it's easy for us to think, oh, he's just being optimistic. He's just being hopeful. But no, 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 no. No, he understands that this is going to be a really dark time for the people. And so he wants to plant seeds of hope that are going to sustain the people as the, the difficult times come their way. So this is the gravity of what's behind all of what Micah has to say. He's trying to let these oppressed people know that God will be faithful, no matter what, no matter what. And in the end, he will rescue the oppressed, even though things are about to get kind of dark. So again, Things are falling apart, and so Micah afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. So with all that in mind, why don't we actually take a look at some of what he had to say? And I, we're going to look at chapter 2 of Micah here to kind of get a taste of what Micah is all about. Um, and let me give you a little bit of context. If you want to turn in the house Bibles in this room, I think it's page 766. Yes, like I said, it's kind of hard to find. Um, 766, or feel free to use the Grace app. Uh, we put all the passages of Scripture in there. I'll say it again, and I know you all don't believe me, but... Hebrew poetry is way better when you've got it in front of you and you're also hearing it. I promise it's better. Just trust me, okay? So grab a Bible. All right, <clears throat> real quick context. So in this part of Micah, Micah was, like I said, from Moresheth. It's a little town in the Judean hillside north or southwest of Jerusalem. And this region of the world, it's not particularly fertile. And so being a subsistence farmer, as most of the Israelites were, it's kind of hard going. I mean, people are, are scraping a living out of the land and it's really, you're kind of one disaster or one bad crop away from just everything, of losing everything. And so in this context of these, these struggling subsistence farmers, you've got these kind of ruthless landowners who start to take advantage of the situation. And what they do is, you know, the moment their neighbor falls on hard times, they sweep in and they, they find a way to steal the land. Or, or when a, a, a woman loses her husband, well, they take advantage of that and they, they kick this widow off her land and then they can expand their farm and put other people and make them indentured servants for them. It, it, they begin to expand and they've got these huge tracts of land while so many people are, are suffering around them. So here's what Micah has to say to these wealthy landowners, and he's not going to pull any punches. Here we go. What sorrow 
awaits you who lie awake at night, thinking up evil plans. You rise at dawn and you hurry to carry them out simply because you have the power to do so. When you find a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want someone's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his family's inheritance. But this is what the Lord says. I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. for You will no longer walk around proudly, for it will be a terrible time. In that day, your enemies will make fun of you by singing this song of despair about you. Oh, we're finished, completely ruined. God has confiscated our land, taking it from us. He has given our fields to those who betrayed us. Others will set your boundaries then, and the Lord's people will have no say in how the land is divided. Okay, Whew, that's a little intense. Micah is afflicting the comfortable, isn't he? So what's going on here? Well, let me, let me kind of try to give you some world of the text, how this is connecting to the bigger picture. As I've talked about a lot, uh, God's desire for humanity, for all, all humanity, is that we would experience his blessing, his blessing. And by that, I mean, I mean abundance and peace and joy and harmony and, and great crops. And he, he wants us to return to Eden, to an Eden kind of life where we can be whole and experience that blessing. Now, the nation of Israel, from the very beginning, they had a role to play in showing the world what that blessing could look like. Israel was meant to be the, the shining beacon on the hill that all the surrounding nations would look at and they would say, wow, that is a blessed kind of life. I want that kind of life because then it was supposed to uh, trickle out from Israel and eventually the whole of the world would experience that blessing. But that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening. No, it was exactly the opposite. Because here we have Israelites, these landowners, who they're not spreading blessing. They're actually spreading what? The curse. They're spreading the curse. They're taking advantage of other people's suffering. They're amassing wealth and, and stealing property and kicking people off their land. They were cursing their community in their greed. Again, this is supposed to be the beacon on the hill that shows the world what blessing looks like, but instead, what are they showing the world? They're showing them the curse. Things are falling apart in Israel. No wonder. And so Micah's message to these wealthy landowners is clear. You are going to experience the consequences of this, of, of your actions. You are going to reap what you sow. Or as I would paraphrase it, someday, Someday God is going to let a bigger fish come along. And when that happens, they are going to be the ones who are amassing wealth. And they are going to be the ones stealing your property. And they are going to be the ones kicking you off the land. Or verse 5, others, others will set your boundaries. And by the way, when Assyria did invade that's exactly what happened. It was these landowners, they were the very first ones to lose everything and get carted off into exile. Micah goes on, though. He says, he says this in, in verse 6. And by the way, now we get to hear what these landowners have to say about all of this. And he quotes them by saying this. Don't say such things, the people respond. Don't prophesy like that. Such disasters will never come our way. And then in God's voice, Micah goes on. Should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's spirit have patience with such behavior? Look, if you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting. 
Yet to this very hour, my people rise against me like an enemy. You steal the shirts right off the backs of those who trusted you, making them as ragged as men returning from battle. You've evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped their children of all that God would give them. Up, be gone. This is no longer your land and home, for you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you of the joys of wine and alcohol. Yeah, that's just the kind of prophet you would like. Whew. I find it really interesting uh, that these landowners, they don't have a problem with prophets. I mean, they like prophets. They just only like the ones that are going to tell them what they want to hear, right? Such disasters will never come our way. No, take it easy. Don't worry about it. Let me preach to you about the joys of wine and alcohol, right? Let's party. I'm the party prophet. Come on, yeah. You know what? You were meant to be living a good life. You were meant to be blessed, right? Yeah, God's always told us that you're meant to be blessed. So be blessed. Have a good time. Live a little. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 730 BC, right? A little Parks and Rec joke for you there. Um, I had to, I couldn't, I had to. Um, put simply, put simply, these landowners had listened to these false prophets. They had, they'd bought into the lies of what I'll call incomplete truths. Okay, they'd bought into incomplete truths. Let, let me explain. Yes, the prophets were right. Human, God does want humanity to be blessed, right? He wants these, these landowners to be blessed. However, that blessing can never come about by spreading the curse. That's not how it works. God's blessing does not grow out of injustice. It's incomplete to think that way. No, the complete truth is that if these wealthy landowners want to really experience God's blessing, well, then they had better use what they have to ensure the blessing of others, to actually love their neighbors. Remember that there was a passage we looked at a few weeks ago, and I think it, it, it's relevant here from Isaiah. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression, feed the hungry, help those in trouble, and then, and then your light will shine out from the darkness. You see, this, this right here, this is the complete truth that these landowners were ignoring. Yeah, God is working to bless humanity. That hasn't changed, and he's going to accomplish it. He's going to bless humanity, but you're not going to experience that blessing, landowners, if you're fighting against that work. Right, if, if, if like in verse eight, if you are rising against him like an enemy. See, these guys, they were enjoying blessing for themselves, but they're grabbing it and grasping it at the expense of destitute fathers and homeless mothers and children with nothing to their name. So no wonder the verdict is pretty, it's pretty intense. Look at verse 10, up, be gone. This is no longer your land and home for you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. In other words, you have cursed the land that was meant for blessing. The Assyrians are coming. They're coming like a flood to purge this land and you have forfeited your chance to experience the blessing that you stole from others. Micah puts it, or well, God speaks through Micah in verse seven saying, saying this, he puts it this way. If you would do what is right, then these words would be comforting to you. But instead, they come across as words of condemnation. Now, 
Okay, I know that's a little intense, right? This is <laughs> it's kind of heavy stuff. It's like, it's Mother's Day. What are we doing talking about <laughs> condemning and all that stuff? But we are going to turn a corner. We're going to turn a corner in a minute, and we are going to talk about hope. And Micah turns a corner here, and we're going to talk about uh, what he has to say to those who were oppressed in this story. But I don't want to move on too quickly. I wanted to take just a second and pause right here to talk about this because even though we're not wealthy landowners, most of us are not, are not you know, billionaire landowners and, and robber barons and, you know, 19th century industrialists, like that's not us. That's what I think would probably be in a modern uh, context of this, but that's not us. However, however, we also can fall prey to what these landowners fell prey to, and that's buying into half-truths, incomplete truths. We, we also can listen to the prophets who tell us what we want to hear. And so I just want to take a second, a little bit of introspection to think about some of the, the incomplete truths that we might sometimes buy into. For example, for example, uh, sometimes we... we understand something from scripture, some idea of justice or, or some moral truth or whatever, and we hold tightly to it because it is right, okay? And that's fine. But then we turn around and we start hating other people who don't agree with us on that. You see how that's incomplete? We are, we're claiming the blessing of justice or morality or whatever, but we're spreading the curse of hate. That's an incomplete truth. That's not a complete truth. Or another example, we've been, we've been saved from our sin by Jesus. Hallelujah, we are different people now, we're saved. But then we turn around and we start judging and excluding other people from the church because of their sin. It, it's sanctification without grace. That's incomplete. Or you know what, you can flip that around. Some of us, we're, we're so convinced that God loves us, that, that God has grace for us, that, you know, it's, and that's true and it's great that we don't even lift a finger to change the way that we live. Our morality is, is kind of uh, weak and fuzzy and, and ill-defined. We, really, we don't really work hard to, to look more like Jesus. We just, we just love the fact that God loves us. You know what that is? That's, it's grace without sanctification it's still incomplete. Or maybe, maybe we are kind of like these wealthy landowners sometimes. Maybe, uh, maybe we enjoy the blessings of wealth and home and health and family, but we've ignored the suffering of our neighbors. It's blessing for us. God wants us to be blessed, yes, but not for others. It's not complete. It's not the whole truth. All that to say, I'm sure we could come up with a whole bunch of other ideas and examples of this. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's something to talk about with your small group or your friends or, or family. But all that to say, I don't want us to miss a chance to ask ourselves if we are buying incomplete truths. Because if we are, then I think it's time for us to confess and to look for what the full, complete truth really is. It's an invitation for introspection. You don't have to be a wealthy landowner for Micah too to afflict your comfort just a little bit. But, and now we can turn a corner, you also don't have to be a, a, a subsistence farmer in ancient Israel for these words to, to comfort your affliction a little bit. So let's do that. Let's turn this corner and let's see what Micah has to say to those who were downtrodden, who were oppressed. In verse 12, he says, Someday, O Israel, I will gather you. I will gather you, gather the remnant who are left 
I will bring you together again like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. Now, in a time when things are falling apart, for, for Micah and for us, when, we, when things are falling apart, I find these words to be really compelling. This imagery, it speaks to me, and I, I want to show you why. It, it's as if, in this story, the sheep of Israel, the, the ordinary, everyday people of God, they've been scattered. They're all over the place. They're afraid. They're lost. They're scattered. But God, the good shepherd, he's faithful to bring them back, to gather them back together into safety and to lead them. Micah is actually tapping into a, a, an imagery or a, a set of images that are very common in the Bible. Jesus uses them in the New Testament, the, the apostles do, for example, but it's also all over the Old Testament. In Psalm 78, God led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness. Or in Isaiah 40, he will feed his flock like a shepherd, he will carry the lambs in his arms. Or Psalm 23, which is pretty familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Or I will not want. I shall not want. You see, the good shepherd will care for his flock. Now again, again, when you hear imagery like that, if you're not thinking about the context, if you're not thinking about the weight of this, it's easy to think that this is just some kind of uh, schmaltzy and sentimental wishful thinking, like, oh, it's a, it's a nice little picture of sheep on a greeting card. How nice, right? But that's not what this is. No, when you look at this, this prophecy, verses 12 and 13, when you look at them in the context of what we just read, it takes on a whole new significance, doesn't it? Because these sheep, these very sheep of Israel, they are the ones who were, were being crushed and abused and scattered because of these unjust landowners. The, the remnant who are left in verse 12. They are the, the men who were cheated out of their property in verse 2. They're the women evicted from their pleasant homes in verse 9. They're the children who have been stripped of their inheritance. These are the ones. These are the ones that will be led by God himself back into their own land to rebuild their pleasant homes and to experience their true inheritance, the blessing that he has always promised them. The land will be a land of blessing once more. And I love, I love this little detail, the words uh, noisy crowds in verse 12. They're meant to, to, to kind of evoke in us the, the, the soundscape of hundreds of happy sheep in a pasture eating grass and chatting because they feel safe. Uh, you know, little ones calling out for their moms, mom, and mom, you know, mom responding, what? <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what sheep do. Listen, look it up, listen, that's literally what it sounds like. The flock is safe, they're, they're whole, they're blessed, right? That's what we're supposed to imagine here. And the good shepherd is watching over them all. But look what's not in the passage. Look what's not in verses 12 and, three, uh, 12 and 13. The predatory, the unjust, the corrupt, they're not around. They've lost everything, right? They're, they're not even in the picture anymore. Instead, they're the ones that God has rescued, that the good shepherd has led home. Micah afflicts the comfortable, but he comforts the afflicted. And the complete truth of Micah 2, 
is that God's blessing will win the day. God's blessing will win the day. It's just up to us whether or not that's good news. Now, here's, here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk a little, little bit about us because Micah lived 700 years before Jesus did. He, 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 was, you know, he was long before Jesus was on the scene, but we, as followers of Christ, we know how this is all coming to pass. We know what it means for the good shepherd to lead his flock. We know, first of all, that Jesus established a kingdom for the last and the lost and the least, right? Where, where those who are downtrodden are given special honor, where the last will come first, all of that. We know that Jesus spent his time healing and loving on and spending time with those that the world had rejected. That's who he spent his time with. And we know that through his death and his resurrection, Jesus has freed us from the curse. He's taken away the consequences of our sin and our guilt, and he has allowed us to return to Eden again. He's invited us into new creation, both now in part and fully one day forever. Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are his flock. Micah's words have proved true. God's blessing has not been overcome. And you know what? There's a reason that it's Micah's words that we have in our Bible and not the words of the party prophets. <laughs> because their words, they were a hollow, and they got proven hollow really, really quickly. But Micah's words of truth last because the Holy Spirit spoke them through him. God's blessing cannot be overcome. So, so, us. I know that many of you right now are feeling the weight of this broken world. This, this, this time where things are falling apart. Many of you, you feel like you are under the hand of, of oppression. Maybe it's from the hands of other people. You find yourself uh, feeling squeezed and crushed and, and oppressed in this time. It's probably not gonna be wealthy landowners stealing your farm, but it could be an employer who, who's not really giving you a living wage. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an abusive spouse who's keeping you under their thumb. Maybe it's a bully at school, or maybe it's a, the hurtful words of someone in authority. Maybe someone shamed you recently and you find yourself under a dark cloud of that. Maybe it's a health insurance company that rejected your claim. Whatever it is, whatever it is, if you are feeling the weight of injustice, of oppression, if you're feeling the weight of our broken world on you right now, then here's what I wanna do. I wanna read these last two verses of Micah 2 over you as truth because guys, this is a, a living and active book and the Holy Spirit is continuing to speak and so I'm gonna let God's Spirit speak to you through these words. Remind you of the truth that God has not forgotten you. You are not alone. The truth that God is, is working to bring his blessing into your life. And the truth that Jesus, the good shepherd, he's got you in his arms. He's got you. Listen to these words. Someday, someday I will gather you. I will gather the remnant who are left. I will bring you together again like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy's cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself 
will guide you. Friends, your story is not over yet. And God's blessing in your life will not be overcome. Let's pray. Well, Father, I pray, first of all, that those who are feeling the weight of this broken world, who, who are feeling very acutely the fact that our world is, is kind of falling apart right now, I pray that you would speak truth through your Holy Spirit to remind them that, you, that they are in your arms. Good shepherd, would you comfort them? Would you uh, allow them to, to sense your presence, to sense your, your guiding hand at work in their lives and remind them that your blessing will win the day. It will not be overcome. And Father, for all of us, who are just as tempted as these wealthy landowners, just as tempted to believe half-truths and incomplete truths. I pray, Father, that you would reveal to us the lies that we have bought into, the, the words of false prophets that we have so gladly accepted. Would you, would you awaken our hearts and remind us of why we are here to represent your blessing and your healing hand and your purposes for this broken world. Let us be the beacon of light that this world needs. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.